Check out award-winning Johnson & Boone Solicitor's unique product, Legal Guard. Ideal for businesses and individuals, Legal Guard ensures you get the legal help you need when you need it. Packages start from just £24 a month and include free expert advice, access to a library of legal documents, as well as exclusive discounts on a range of services. For more information, visit johnsonandboone.co.uk forward slash legal guard and quote the code FITCHESH. You're listening to Johnson & Boone Solicitors Podcast exclusively on the Pod Station. Welcome everyone to episode 29 of the Johnson & Boone Podcast. My name's Mark, I'm your host. Joining me this week after a long, long absence, I'd nearly forgotten his name, it's been that long, it's the uh, irrepressible Rob Boone from Johnson & Boone fame. How are we doing, Rob? Hi, Mark, how's it going? We've missed you. We have, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. I thought I'd come back and I know you a bit more. Well, Jonathan collected his hat-trick match ball for podcasts well we don't want him to think he's the star of the show either do we because <laughs> there's only one of those isn't there rob certainly is a tumor <laughs> oh you say all the nicest things now uh, you may have guessed from the fact that i said episode 29 that there are 28 other episodes for you to go and find if you're wondering how to find them um then it does beg the question of how you're listening to this show and where did you find that one. But let's assume that you've stumbled across it. That's not a problem. Uh, if you go to johnsonandboon.co.uk, there's a podcast tab where you will find all the previous episodes. Um, you'll also find on there links to all of the major podcast platforms where you can also listen to the shows. So whichever is your preference, you will probably find it on there. And if you subscribe when we drop the latest show and we do these weekly, uh, then it will automatically download onto your device. Um, if that's too complicated or it's a bit too much like hard work, then there's an even easier solution because if you download the Johnson & Boom mobile app, which is free and available on Apple and Android app stores, aside from a whole plethora of uh, tools and functions that you'll find from being able to book appointments with the likes of Rob and his team, checking out all the various services that Johnson & Boom do, as well as accessing the fantastic Legal Guard product. And if you don't know what that is, uh, then check out the advert at the beginning of this podcast. And indeed, uh, listen to episode 21. You'll actually hear Rob and I talking all about the uh, the products and all the benefits that you get. But you'll also find a podcast, podcast tab, and uh, in that podcast tab, you will find all of the shows. So it is that easy. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Um, we'd encourage you to do so because we're constantly throwing out tips and advice on there. Um, we'd also love for you to get in contact. So if you have any topics that you specifically want us to touch upon, then you can contact us on social media. You can contact us through the website, through the mobile app. You can email info at johnsonandboom.co.uk. So there's loads of ways of doing it, and it'd be fantastic if you could. Uh, we've covered a couple of topics more recently that have been very 
uh, economically relevant from landlord and tenant advice um, in the midst of the COVID world pandemic. We've done, what else have we done, Rob? Uh, we've done some business, commercial stuff. Yeah, we've done lots of stuff. So el- earlier on in the year, during lock- during the, the first lockdown, we should say, um, we, we touched upon all the problems that businesses were facing, the contractual issues that that brought, any effects on landlords. And then we've updated them as we've gone. So um, I think on all the podcasts, they are stamped in terms of the date. So it's important that when you're listening to, to one of the podcasts, you, you check if anything's changed in any of the later ones. Um, I mean, just to, to date stamp this, um, we are now on the first day, aren't we, of the new lockdown. So yeah. over, the, over the coming weeks, we'll um, update everyone if anything else sort of changes uh, or if there's any other messages that uh, are relevant now that maybe need alteration from early on in the year. And just again, for the benefit, if this is the first show that people listen to, for the benefit of anyone who might be listening to the shows for the first time, uh, why is it that we do these shows? So what we do each week is we cover a subject just briefly. So it's an overhaul of the subject. It's not detailed. It isn't intended to be the ins and outs, but it's just to give you a flavour of the area, enough for a little bit of self-help if you've got something simple, uh, but also so you know what we do and how we can help you um, if things are a bit more um, sort of complicated or if it's a subject matter that you really shouldn't be uh, doing on your own. And what's the topic that we're going to be covering in this episode? So this week, we're going to start on a series of episodes that we talk about the issue of business sales. Uh, And we're going to break that down into various sections because whilst we only do an overhaul, it's, it's a really big topic and not everything will be relevant for everyone. And indeed, not everything will interest everyone. Uh, But we're going to do four shows. Um, We're going to start with a due diligence um, session, which we'll do tonight. Then we'll do share purchase and asset agreements. Separately, we'll talk about what disclosure means in these matters. And then finally, we'll go through the process of completion. Um, And also in that episode, we'll go through lots of common additional agreements and documents that are required for it. If people are already in the process, then they might be familiar of it. Um, but it's, it, it is quite an interesting subject, um, so we are going to break it down a little bit more than maybe we normally would. Fab, so um, where do we want to start then? Do we want to start with due diligence? Yeah, we're starting with due diligence, and I suppose the first place to start is what when it would happen. So what, what we're talking about is when a business or assets of a business are going to be purchased, and that would either be by way of a share purchase and that's when someone is is buying a whole company by buying the shares in that company or alternatively an asset purchase. And very simply what that means is rather than buying the whole of a business, you're buying specific assets. And that's very different because you're not taking anything other than what's specifically listed. You're not taking any liabilities, but also you. that's very different because not only are you not buying the whole business, but you're specifically only buying the parts and the assets that are listed. Now, um, I should perhaps, I don't know if anyone can hear that over the recording the mic. There, If you can hear a weird noise, um, it seems that there is a bonfire. It's bonfire night, so someone seems to be blowing up their entire house in the process of this recording. It's 
the different ways in which people can can buy a business what is the due diligence part of doing that so this refers to the process of investigation that a buyer will take or they will instruct representatives to take on their behalf so that they can be sure that the business that they're buying or the assets that they're buying are as they appear there's various types of due diligence um, but the starting point is that the buyer needs to be where so if they have decided not to make full investigations or proper investigations then it might be for example they take on a company that company might have litigation in the background or the accounts might not be exactly how they thought it would be and they end up left in a situation where they've probably spent more than they should have spent or they might never have actually gone through with the transaction at all this is actually something which um in my experience is often overlooked by people there's usually this enthusiasm to try and take on this new challenge or this new venture and anything that gets in the way of getting on to the on board that exciting new uh, ride of wonderment is seen as an obstacle that they would prefer to avoid and due diligence tends to fall in that category doesn't it is it is it as common a problem as I'm suggesting, where people do tend to skip this bit? I think it depends on the level of the amount that is, is being paid. So, uh, and that's one of the things we'll talk about, you know, the, the obstacles that will um, either make it not happen at all or make it happen only t- to a very limited extent. The due diligence process, it can be fairly lengthy and it can be fairly expensive. So it's a balancing act for the buyer and it depends upon how risk averse they are but even in really straightforward and quite modest transactions there still should be some due diligence um both from an accountancy point of view and from a legal and we usually with these shows we do and you said at the outset we try to give people a rough idea of the things they could look at and do themselves to try and do this but this very much feels like one of those topics one of those those risks that probably is very worthwhile getting expert help from because there's an awful lot you possibly don't realize is a threat or is a risk or does need consideration um obviously the first thing you think is oh is it a solvent business does it have the 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 assets that it says it does but there's loads of other things that go beyond then aren't there there's different types which i think we'll come on to in a second yeah i think the whole business sales process is something that from the outside looking in so from from the layperson's perspective it's seen as something that should be very very straightforward simply again as 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 we say if it's a, a relatively small amount that's involved but what the buyer's got to be very careful of is that they're not buying a load of liabilities so you're right there can be lots of excitement about the new venture the new business that they're taking on the plans that they've got for it um obviously nobody ever intends to buy a business that causes them problems but there's no point in that if what follows is years of heartache and expense because what you've bought is completely different to what you thought you bought equally for a seller um Part of the process, which we won't address today, but part of the process is within the contracts that um, they'll give certain warranties about what they're selling and what they're giving to the person. If they mess that up and they give warranties that they don't understand, they're going to be sued later on when they turn out not to be accurate. 
And again, you're putting yourself in a situation where as a seller, you know, you've built a business up, you've got the right price for it, you think, you sell it and you're moving on to pastures new. But six, 12 months later, you're involved in quite expensive litigation um, just because it wasn't dealt with properly. And it's not, it might not be because you've intentionally misled the buyer. It's just been because you haven't quite understood what, what you've been doing. So what are the different types of due diligence that you need to be considering? So due diligence is really quite broad. So if we start with legal due diligence, which is obviously something that we would do, this involves an assessment of the target legal rights uh, and any effect that the proposed transaction might have on them. So, uh, sorry, when we say the target, we mean the, the company that's going to be purchased. A common example of that might be that they have a contract and within that contract, um, if there's any transfer of shares to another company or if there's a change in ownership, that contract terminates. That is, it's a common thing within certain industries. So that's a big problem for a potential buyer because there's no point in buying a business if when you buy that business, some of the key contracts are going to dissolve. Um, so that's the sort of thing you'd be looking at. Across other things, though, there's things like uh, the commercial side of due diligence, which involves an assessment of the market um, and, and other competitors. You can have financial due diligence, which is normally done by accountants and tax advisors. And that's going through all of the accounts and the tax records and the VAT records, specifically normally for a, a share purchase, whereby you're going to be taking on all those liabilities if you buy the company. And just making sure that everything's in place. Um, you then also sometimes in certain situations have due diligence in relation to the financial standing of the buyer. Because as the seller, if you're going to have an, an, a situation with stage payments, you don't want a situation where they're not good for the money later on. If they do something and you've passed on the assets and they flip them or anything like that. Um, and then... In, in with the financial due diligence, as I say, sometimes you will have specific tax experts um, and they will do their own separate due diligence. And that that really is a bit more in depth and that involves um, whether there's been any HMRC investigations and if they have, they'll look at them in detail and, and see to, to what extent they're a problem. So it's quite a vast area. In, in addition to those types, there are other things that will be done in certain situations for certain sectors. Um, but for the purpose of today, it's just an overview, isn't it? Dragon Den Dragon's Den is probably a good example of the due diligence aspect of it for two reasons, I guess. Number one, quite often when they're grilling the poor souls who are standing in front of them, there is a little bit of due diligence that's been carried out. So when they're valuing the business, they're asking them how they've come up with those figures. When they talk about having contra contracts in the bag, they're asking upon what terms those contracts exist. Um, yeah. Do they have IP rights for the things that they're trying to sell? And then perhaps what other people don't necessarily realise is that the dragons don't then just hand over the cash when they get when the director goes cut and the camera shuts off and the people walk up to the dragons and get a big cold hard lump of cash in a bag uh, there is further due diligence to make sure that all of these things and all of these concerns are actually are, are actually resolved and settled yeah even on even on something like that obviously it wouldn't be shown for television 
but once the the deal is done like they would be had the terms so they've agreed to in principle buy the the business or invest into the business or whatever it may be but after that they would have a team of advisors who would obviously put the contracts together and before that was done they would embark upon a due diligence process just to make sure all the information that they were given was accurate um and obviously the bigger the investment the the, the more in depth that process would be. So, what's the what's the ultimate purpose of the due diligence? I mean, is this is this to is this to put you off? Because it possibly sounds like we're trying to put people off trying to buy businesses, but that isn't the case, is it? No, it's not. There's, as as a, as I mentioned before, the starting point is that any buyer needs to beware because the seller is under no duty to voluntarily raise all of the issues and, and tell them what skeletons they've got in the closet. So unless specific questions are asked, unless warranties are sought that will cover those types of things, there is no requirement for disclosure. So a proper due diligence process should be followed. And when I say proper, that will depend upon the level of the transaction. So you will obviously spend much less time and money on the due diligence process for smaller transactions than what you would spend once you start talking about hundreds of thousands or even millions of pounds. And once that's completed, what happens next? So once the due diligence process is completed and the experts have reported back, that will leave the buyer in a position where they can make an informed decision as to the transaction that is um, intended or even decide to pull out if they don't like the information that they've received. It might mean that they'll reassess the risk and they might renegotiate um, the price. So if there's things there that aren't quite as they initially seem, that might affect the valuation. And it'll also allow the parties to consider realistic timescales because they'll be able to see at that stage how complicated the contracts are going to be, what sort of warranties are going to be required. Um, and it, it sort of shapes the rest of the process. Uh, when do you do the due diligence Ideally, the due diligence process is at least started very, very early. So you will agree head to terms. And the reason why you'll do that first is because there'll normally be a confidentiality agreement in there. And with the confidentiality agreement, that will then give the seller the confidence to disclose the information that the buyer is seeking. Um, but it's important that it is done and it's not. It, it doesn't have to be finished, but it has to get to a reasonable stage that gives the buyer sufficient comfort that they are going to go through with the transaction before they then start spending any significant money on the rest of the legal process that's involved. If, if you're going to back out of a transaction, then you want to know as early as possible um, because any money you've spent on the due diligence, you obviously don't get back. Um, so you're depending upon the, the type of, of, of business that it is and depending upon the sector, there's certain things that you'll start with and then you'll be reasonably comfortable from there that you're going to go forward. And, and that's when the bulk of the process would start. But throughout, you continue to have issues of due diligence because once you've drafted the contracts, uh, the seller might remember certain things that initially weren't disclosed. Um, so it is a continuing thing and it, it generally runs alongside the remainder of the project right the way through until the completion.
And with you mentioning the fact that you tend to sign head of terms before you start doing that, that kind of gives people an idea that you tend you do still go out and try and find these opportunities first, come across something that interests you, find out a little bit about it, and then get to that stage. It's not a case of you you you're cracking open the safes to see what cobwebs are, are kicking around before you've even decided whether or not it's a business of interest because one assumes people aren't going to be as happy to open or rather be as open to someone who's making a very uh, i don't know what's the word showing a vague element of interest or it being such a uh, an intangible proposal no of course not no I, I, it, it would come i mean whilst i say it's it's, it's again the process the process uh begins with the businesses themselves or the individuals themselves and an interest in the transaction and want the transaction to go forward. So when I say early in the process, I mean early in the process when you would get experts involved and solicitors involved. Earlier than that, you will still have negotiated. You'll still have asked many of the questions yourself. You'll have agreed a price, at least in principle. You'll have looked at basic things yourself. And it's only really if you want to buy the business and it looks as though it's a, it's a goer that at that stage you'd start the due diligence. So when I say at the start, I mean at the start of you starting to spend money really on, on, on the transaction. And how long does the due diligence process take? Is there a set format that it follows or does it depend upon the nature of the, the deal that's going through? And if so, what kind of things affect the length or the depth of that due diligence process? It's very fluid. You can have people who are happy to buy things, warts and all, because they know they're getting a deal. They know, for example, that the assets are what they are, um, and they're really happy to buy forward a very simple due diligence process that just takes a couple of weeks, if anything, and that includes the time from their accountants. Other times, it can be a process that takes several months. You know, if, if you're talking about business sales that enter into the millions, they really do need to make sure that they are buying exactly what they think they're buying and there'll be a multitude of experts involved. They'll outsource certain parts. Um, even within legals, there would be a due diligence questionnaire that was sent out and then different experts within your firm might look at the property matters, the employment matters, the contract matters um, because it's worth more and there's more to actually lose. So it, I know that's a very open answer it is a very open thing it can be anything from people won't have really any investigations done at all so it's a couple of days a week maybe with bits and pieces right the way through to it's very very in depth and it takes months so what kind of things would limit the scope of what due diligence you might carry out um, it can be things so as, as straightforward as time constraints so it might be that a deal has to go over the line before a certain line for commercial reasons and therefore the buyers willing to take a bit of a punt and only do basic things or certain things uh, that can be done quite quickly the main one is cost so if if you're going to really investigate a, a business especially a larger business with say lots of staff and lots of contracts that's been trading for a long period of time um that can become very expensive so it's often limited in a sensible way because of cost constraints and making sure that it doesn't run away with it. Um, it can also be because the seller has a bargaining um, power of some sort. So if there's lots of buyers uh, or potential buyers, 
it might be that somebody's willing to do a bit less due diligence because they want to snap up the deal. Because again, they're fairly confident themselves that it is going to be a good buy. Um, in other in other issues, in in other cases, it can be as simple as uh, because of confidentiality um, issues. So it might be that the business is in a sector which is particularly sensitive in terms of confidentiality, and so certain parts will be missed. Um, just because the buyer's happy to because of the sector. So there's lot there's lots and lots of reasons that they, they can go on and on. But the main one that we come across most often is the value of the transaction. You know, if if you're buying a business for a lower end sum, you know, 20, 30, 40,000 pounds, you're not going to spend 10 making sure that it looks okay. Um, you're going to take the punt. But if you're spending a million pound on a business, you don't mind spending 20, 30, 40,000 pound to make sure that your million pounds well spent. I have been aware of, I won't I won't go into the sector because it will give it away immediately where there was a, a, a an incredibly large company who was looking to buy another incredibly large company. Um, and this company that was selling actually was um, having talks with another major competitor um, and I mean, this—the original um, prospective purchaser was hiring like private investigators to follow, and so this this meeting with their competitor was done in another country, and so these PIs had followed them there, taken shots, did a full in, sort of investigation of who it was they were talking to, why it was they might be talking to them, and that ultimately resulted in that other company from from pulling out of the deal by virtue of they weren't going to be held to ransom they, they, they weren't happy about sort of a, a side deal going on in the background and potentially being used as a pawn so it, it does really matter doesn't it about the size of the businesses i suppose it could even get quite exciting sometimes yeah it it, it, it can it, it's also worth stating whilst we're talking about the traditional way of doing due diligence and it very much being led by the buyer there is also a method which is referred to as a data room where when a when a business is for sale, the seller will put together a pack of information that they're willing to disclose to a potential buyer. It will be put to fit together by their experts and it will be made available either physically at maybe a solicitor's office uh, or an accountant's office or just digitally in a pack or online. And if, and if there's a buyer that's interested, that's the information they're getting. So if you want more, it's not a deal. And if you don't, then and you're all happy with that, then it is. And, and and often that's the case when a business is going to be auctioned or something like that. But there are sellers that know they've got an attractive business or maybe maybe it's just for a quick sale, but they don't want to go through the whole due diligence process and they decide that's how it's going to be done. Um, so there are... There are different ways of approaching it as well. Uh, with us starting with due diligence, we're obviously sort of starting at the front end of the process. We mentioned before that there's sort of a little bit that occurs before we get to the due diligence stage. How do you get from that first part, i.e. nobody knows you exist and that you're interested in buying it, to the due diligence um, stage. What, what sort of inquiries are you making? How, how does that ball get rolling? It can happen in a number of ways. So sometimes there's an agent involved who will be advertising the business for sale, and that's how the parties will get in touch. 
but often it's just a case of um, there's sort of party A wants to buy party B's business. They'll have general discussions in terms of how that might look, and then they'll approach us. And at that stage, we will help them put together the heads of terms. And once the heads of terms are agreed, we'll advise them in relation to the due diligence process that needs to be followed. And it will all it will roll into each other then. So whilst they're separate phases, it won't feel like it because once the heads of terms are signed off, the seller will then receive a due diligence questionnaire. They'll fill in the questionnaire. And then as that is received back with the replies and the documents, they'll make the investigations on those replies and documents. So it's pretty fluid. So whilst we break it down as, as individual steps, it's individual steps for us. The, the people involved might not even feel as though they're moving through different things. It will just feel like one process. And is it you guys, as in the solicitors, do you tend to deal with the due diligence uh, inquiries, even if it's it, some of those inquiries are falling outside of your remit? We'll usually be involved in them. So it will be us that will generally communicate the due diligence questionnaire. But there's always a team involved. As I say, it's very, very difficult for it to be done without tax and accountancy advice. So we will be told by accountants what is needed and those questions will be included within the due diligence process, within the due diligence questionnaire, which contains all of the questions that we want to ask as well. And whilst you can start with a pro forma, uh, because there's pro formas for everything, it's important that those questions are very specific to what matters to the buyer uh, and matters to the industry as well. And, and again, that's why it's not advisable for people to try and do that process themselves. And these are all inquiries that we're aiming at the seller directly to answer back to us but are there other investigations and other forms of due diligence that you might be carrying out in addition to so not necessarily asking the seller direct you want to go and check it out for yourself yeah absolutely there'd be a string of things that would generally be done so if it's a, uh, a limited company obviously most of the information for the company will be on company's house so we'd go there, look at the records. Uh, you can see sort of summary accounts. You can see details of people with significant control of the company. Um, you'd also check things like insolvency registers. Um, you'd have a look at information that would be held by the intellectual property office in relation to trademarks. Um, if there's any property involved, then we'd do land registry searches on that property to see who the owners were. And you can also do general searches of the internet. So if you put a company's name into sort of Google these days, you'll see any reviews, you'll see how good their website is, you'll see where it ranks, all sorts of things that are important if you're going to buy that company. What does its online presence look like? What's its social media like? Um, what's the overall picture that it's, it's putting forward? And all of those things, and it can sometimes be the smaller things that will either put off um, or encourage you by along. Um, have we covered due diligence? As we said at the outset, it's only supposed to be a, a cursory journey. Um, there's obviously all a lot more to it. It seems a very subjective task to carry out that is very much dictated by the nature of the the business transaction. It is. It's, it's a, a very organic process. It's very specific depending upon what you're trying to achieve. You can do a very quick process or a very in-depth process. And what we say is if anybody is intending to buy a business, 
um, get advice nice and early so that at least you understand the options, due diligence. And if you decide, you know, you're just going to buy the business and, and see what happens, that's fine. The rest of the process that we'll discuss in, in the coming weeks um, will still apply. And even if you're going to do it yourself, some people do bite the bullet and, and try and do really small ones themselves. Uh, not advisable, but, you know, you can take the information, you can understand a little bit about what we're talking about, um, and, and you can go from there. Brilliant. Well, if that's got your noodle scratching uh, underway, uh, just remember this is this is the first of a, a series of four episodes that we're going to be covering for this whole process. So, as Rob said, it, it might well be worth getting in touch with the Johnson & Boone team and indeed Rob um, to get some help, some advice, some guidance if you are at this due diligence stage because it probably sounds like they're at the right end of the deal to be getting the advice, you're getting it at the outset so at the very least if you want to then try and go off and do things yourself at least you're armed with a little bit more information but if they do want to get in touch Rob, how, how can they do that? Uh, well they could drop us an email at info at johnsonandboom.co.uk they could uh, give us a call on 0151 637 2034 they can drop us a message on our uh, website uk. they could look us up on any of the major social media platforms Insta, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn I think we're on Twitter now as well um, or they could download our app and, and book a consultation with me and I'll go through any questions that they've got Fantastic. Well, plenty of opportunities there, guys. Um, if you have any questions about the due diligence process that you'd perhaps like us to touch upon in the next episode, we, we don't mind sort of revisiting questions if people have raised them before we get stuck into the next topic of conversation. Um, then do let us know. Uh, Rob, thank you very much for joining me today. It's been nice to have you back. Thanks, Mark. It's been nice to see you again. And we hope you've enjoyed listening. If you have enjoyed it, uh, please do give us a review um, on whichever of the platforms you're listening to. It just helps the show get seen by more people, uh, and hopefully that will help more people in, in the process. Uh, so that'd be much appreciated. Um, thank you very much for listening, guys. We hope you've enjoyed it, and we'll catch you all next time. Thank you. Get social at Johnson & Boone on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter.